Raptors have a foul to give. OG with the steal once again. He's been sensational. 20 points. Five steals. You know the For the first time in 2020, the Raptors are on a losing streak. It's been three L's in a row, and it's mainly down to two players, of course. Not on the Raptors, of course, on the opposing teams. Now, losses to the Bucks, the Nuggets, and the Hornets may not seem all too odd, may not seem all too disastrous, but the way that the Raptors have played in those games has definitely let cause for concern. But that's not to say those two players, and of course I mean PJ Washington and Terry Rozier, the architects of any team's downfall, did not have an impact. Um, but to discuss the impact, and especially of those lesser teams like the Bucks, uh, Varal is here with me. Varal, welcome. I wouldn't have that kind of blasphemy, man. Lesser teams like the Bucks. I mean, I know they're division rivals, but... Uh... It's quite hard to say that when they're, I guess they're at this point nine games in front of the Raptors. Well, I guess I guess the irony might have not come through, of course. I mean, the two players I was talking about were Giannis Antetokounmpo and Nikola Jokic, of course. Have you been um, practicing that pronunciation? That was fantastic, Kamal. Oh, really? No, I haven't actually. Oh, wow. Well, no, it must be natural. I guess Greek names just come naturally too. But um, yeah, I mean, yeah, those first two losses... Um, I would say uh, you, you did uh, talk about the way that the Raptors plays, uh, played and uh, maybe it's something that you can elaborate on. But those two I'm not so worried about. It's it's the Hornets who I still have as the, in my opinion, they are the worst team in the East. I did predict at the start of the season that they would be bottom of the conference and they're slowly making their way there. So I think that loss, even though it was a close game, um, I don't think that ever should have happened. Yeah, there was a few weird things about the loss. I mean, to preface it, the Hornets do always beat the Raptors in the strangest ways, whether it be a Jeremy Lamb uh, turnaround half-court buzzer beater. And of course, this time it was an off-ball um, foul from Rondé Hollis-Jefferson, which allowed Terry Rozier to put the um, free throws in to put the Hornets ahead with 2.1 seconds yeah. to go. Um, so that was very strange as well. But throughout the game, of course, the Raptors had to stage a comeback and it, ju it just was lackluster. I mean, I know they're missing the two big men, so they're missing their two centres in Gasol and Ibaka, um, and for, they were also missing Fred Van Vliet. But you're right, you sh it's a loss, it's a home loss to a team who at the time were 18 games under 500. And yes, one of the worst teams in a pretty poor East this year. Um, so I'm not really putting it down to bogey teams, more than just not focusing. You know, they worked so hard throughout that winning streak to grab that second seed going into the All-Star break. And now they've just hanging on to it. They're just half a game ahead of Boston. Uh, Raptors are currently 42-18 and 18 at the time of recording, which in itself is a great record. But when you consider, you know, you've lost four of the last six games, uh, there's something going wrong there. Um, so before we get into... But I think something that ran through all three games and before we dissect the games individually... Something that we saw throughout this losing stretch is the Raptors' limited offense without Gasol and Ibaka. It's the use of Pascal Siakam as the number one option. And although Siakam is an all-star starter this year, he's a fantastic player, 
you know, objectively a fantastic player, I'm sure you'd agree. He has quite a limited offensive repertoire when he's the ball handler and he's the number one option. Um, yes. Yeah, yeah. Sort of running into traffic, and you've got players like I mean, even you've got players like I said, what I mentioned Washington, but you've got rim protectors like Giannis, like Jokic, like Jeremy Grant. We saw who played a fantastic game yesterday. You want to come up short, especially if your shooters aren't aren't nailing it. Yeah, no, I th- I think um, there you've kind of hit the nail on the head. Um, it's not to say that we don't want uh, Siakam to have like a high usage rate. And uh, indeed, um, his usage rate hasn't really actually changed all to all that much uh, since Gasol and Ibaka have been out. Well, we do of course have a small sample uh, sample size. It's quite hard to compare, but the kind of positions you want Siakam to be in, and say you either want one of Ibaka, or, uh, preferably you would want Gasol to say take a dribble handoff at the uh, top of the key and kind of dictate the offense from there, or. Um, Again, you want a, f- a friend Van V or a Lowry to kind of dictate the offense. And if you're going to get to the ball to Siakam, you kind of want him, uh, say, on the low block, for example. So, uh, yeah, I think uh, in terms of offensive repertoire, it's more so that it's hard to... I, I don't think he's suited as the primary playmaker of the team. Um, and so I guess they'll, that team will have to find a way if... Uh, if they don't have many playmakers on the floor, uh, what kind of offense Nick Nurse wants to run if uh, if he is primarily going through Siakam? Yeah, and it's also a worry for playoff, of course. I mean, last year, Siakam, we know he dropped 32 in finals game one, for example. But of course, you had that sort of colossus in Kawhi taking all the attention. And um, well, we hope someone like Lowry or uh, Van, even Van Vliet or Webaka can can do that and sort of free up Siakam, as it were, um, to have almost slightly less pressure on him, less usage, because uh, he knows he's good enough, but just not good enough to uh, in, in in a playoff atmosphere, as as we as it were. I um, think it's to playmate, uh, to just to specify Kumail. I think he's not good enough to playmate at say like uh, of somebody like a Russell Westbrook or James Harden, and indeed a, a player who's comparable to him, Yanis. Uh, uh, I don't think he, you know, spots those defensive rotations and hence like he doesn't find those corner three three pointers um, and his teammates uh, to the same frequency as, uh, say, those guys do. So uh, that's what I would caveat uh, the point you just said there. Well, let's move on to Yanis, um, actually. Uh, the first loss was a huge game. It was one of three remaining games uh, that the Raptors had against the Milwaukee Bucks. And, of course, in the playoffs, we hope for seven more of course um raptors fell again they're now two nil down in this mini division series um janice didn't actually have his best game he only scored 19 of course he grabbed 19 rebounds and was excellent on the board and got eight assists but it didn't feel like he had a great game at least he didn't pass the eye test as it were mm. um it was an important win though i mean janice said that it get the game itself had a playoff feel to it um, it was really intense right up to the end. The Raptors eventually falling 9708. Uh, but it wasn't the most comfortable win at all for Milwaukee. Um, are the Bucks, of course, you said they're somewhat nine points ahead of the Raptors in the Eastern Conference. Um, are they, could, could you judge by this game, are they just that much and are they the clear favourites to go to the NBA Finals, whoever they face? 
I would say it's not purely based on this game. Um, if we're talking about the last 10 to 15 games, at this moment in time, for me, they are by far and away the favourites to win the title. Not to make it to the finals, to win the title. It's un... I can't quite describe to you. Um, I, I think... Uh, it was the Thunder. They blew out the Thunder uh, recently by 40 points. And, uh, you know, I saw that in the morning, the, the night after, uh, the day after it happened. And I thought, oh, they just, they must have absolutely dismantled them. Uh, and the Thunder must have had a poor performance. And I watched the first half in full. And uh, they won the first half by 20 points. And firstly, the Thunder didn't play poorly whatsoever. And secondly, it didn't even seem like the Bucks did anything that special, but it, that that they kind of reminded me of like the Warriors in their peak, where they just played such amazing basketball. Uh, their defense, I, uh, for me right now, uh, them with themselves and the Nuggets, they're by far and away the two best defensive teams in the league, um, and that's for a variety of reasons. But um, it's it's on both ends of the, ends of the floor. They look absolutely terrifying and. Honestly, they don't need Yanis to go off for 40 points to win anymore. I think they were at a stage last season where um, if you somehow uh, limited Yanis to, say, 20 points, even even if he played quite efficiently, we could uh, point to the Toronto series there. Um, you you could feel as the opposing team that you had a good shot against uh, those Bucks, but these Bucks are... You, again, you you have to watch them by it's everything. Um, the defensive pressure, the the length that they have, um, they're completely out rebounding teams as well, um, and they're really just all across the board. They're just playing really smart basketball, and uh, I think it, honestly at this point in the in especially in the Eastern playoffs, it would take probably Yanis being injured for them uh, not to make it to the finals. Um, I think they can even cope with, like, at the moment you can see, uh, I think Middleton's out. And, um, for, for example, against the Thunder, uh, their Divacenjo stepped up, who I've been really high on this season. So The Mafia uh, boss, yeah. The Mafia, <laughs> yeah, the, the Ginger Mafia boss. But uh, it's, it's really going to take a lot to stop that team. And I think uh, potentially this year, they're like kind of like the bogey team to Toronto, whereas last year it was kind of like the other way around. I think... Yanis matches up really well to Siakam and they're both very good uh, three-point shooting teams. Bucks, in my opinion, are slightly better on that end and they kind of do everything Toronto does but slightly better and they out-rebound uh, Toronto so it's going to be a really tough matchup. Yeah, I can't disagree with that. Uh, of course, the final series, um, the Bucks were not only favourites for it, they won the first two games against the Raptors last year and it's only sort of heroic efforts in games three and four that drag the momentum of the series the other way yeah. but yeah you're right. it's a completely different buck side um so that that was a terrible loss and i guess well not a terrible loss but uh, a disappointing loss in terms of playoff uh, potential for the raptors um losing to the nuggets away now nuggets away um is a difficult game in all terms it's Probably comparable to Stoke away in terms of top teams can go there. <laughs> they get stifled. Oh, um, they never that. seem to win, oh. and it ends up being quite an ugly game. A miserable, a miserable high altitude game in Denver. Oh yeah, oh yeah. And um, you've got one sort of, I don't know whether to call him a, like uh, an an ogre, an orc sort of sort of character, 
um, comparable to the likes of Charlie Adam and John Walters. Um, it's Nikola <laughs> Jokic, of course, who yesterday went triple double, 23, 18, and 11, and pulled off some of the most outrageous shots I've seen from a man of his athleticism in a long, <laughs> yeah. long time. Um, but again, you, you said at the start of the podcast you weren't too concerned with an away loss in Denver. I mean, they are 24 at 7 at home for a reason and second yeah, in the West, yeah. of course. Um, but again, was this sort of a difficult one to process in terms of the coaching? Raptors only shot 26% from three and yet they only played Matt Thomas for six minutes and yet they played some of the people like Patrick McCaw for 24 minutes. Terence Davis, he can shoot the three. They played him for 17 minutes. Um, but in terms of the coaching here, the Raptors had it within one in the fourth quarter and just let it completely go. I'm not sure if that was more down to Nick Nurse or more down to someone like Jokic and how Denver have managed to merge themselves, glue themselves into this sort of really well-oiled machine. They seem to be getting better and better every year. Seem to be making smart additions. Uh, they haven't even got Millsap in this team and they're still balling out. So um, I, I think it's to be more impressed with the Nuggets than to be disappointed in the Raptors. And I think that if it hadn't come at the end of this three-game losing streak, you may we may have looked at this game a little differently. Yeah, definitely. Um, you've kind of said everything I had to say. Uh, I'd say, talking about not having Gasol and Ibaka, uh, again, they're the ideal people to match up with um, Jokic, because we talk, you did mention Jokic's athleticism there, but uh, one of the fantastic things he does on the offensive end is his footwork is phenomenal. And uh, Gasol is the type of defender who is extremely cerebral and who's also... Um, not agile on his feet, but you know he moves very well for his size, and um, so there I think for, with this game sometimes yeah the three point shots uh, they don't go. Um, Jokic uh, wasn't you know uh, stopped like he could have been if uh, Raptors were at full strength, but you know the Raptors have been kind of under strength this whole season, so. Like, I would say we've stopped kind of using that as an excuse for them because they've shown that they can still find wins even when they're not of full strength. But, yeah, um, of course, uh, OG Ananobi, had a, he balled out in this game. Um, he, um, I actually he went... have to say, he's, he's gone through a stretch of excellent, excellent games, uh, even throughout this losing streak. Yeah, which is very strange. While the team has been losing, he's, he's been performing very well, yeah. Yeah, I mean, he's got 13 steals in his last two games. Uh, it's phenomenal. Oh, really? Yeah, he got six Wait, against... Kamel, this is bizarre. Them. I'm looking at these stats. So, OG Ananobi, 12 of 16 from the floor, 5 for 5 from the free throw. He got seven rebounds, seven steals, no turnovers, and he had a plus-minus of <laughs> minus 11. <laughs> What, the, what kind of sense does that make? Like, yeah, I, I don't understand the plus-minus there. So. No, I, I, I've stopped understanding plus-minus for long ago. I really don't look at that stat for anything. Well, if, if, well if, because, of course, if you do look at it, Alex Caruso becomes MVP. So. Yeah, exactly. Um, but, no, he's, he dropped 32 yesterday, and it was a really refined offensive performance from him. Of course, there has been concerns over his consistency, but, you know, I see this season as a real step forward for OG. Of course, as the only, now the only active 
British NBA player. Um, he's fully endorsed by this podcast as well. Not only because Absolutely. he's a Raptor, just because of his nationality as well. That's the kind of people we are. But it's, <laughs> yeah, but yeah, it's been a real step forward for him. And I think what he showed against Denver is is his potential. It's the ability to shoot a great clip from the floor, fifty percent from three, seventy five percent from five, um, seventy five percent from the field, seven steals, and that's not a fluke. He's been out getting at least a steal every game. So he, that's that's one of his specialties. You got yeah. To that, I, would, so I would absolutely yeah. compare it with um the kind of impact he's having on the defensive end is similar to what Jaden Brown is doing for the Celtics. Um, yeah. They they're both very similar frame. You know they're both uh very strong, uh similar height. Uh both got large wingspans and they're just uh good, not just good on ball defenders but uh smart team defenders. Um so for OG for up until this point in the season he's kind of had an understated impact uh, especially offensively and he's 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 been more prominent on the defensive end so it's nice to see that he's also um getting that same responsibility on the offensive end and I'm sure this is the kind of form like Toronto will want him to be in going into the playoffs like having a potentially a five-man punch really you've got Gasol, Van Vliet, um, Lowry and Ananobi and Siakam uh, any of who can go off for say 30 points so yeah, despite the three-game loss, um, there are definitely positive things to take away. Exactly, and that's a positive note to end on. It's been a quick podcast because we've lost and we don't really like to talk about losses here, but hopefully that'll change for next time. Varel, thank you once again for joining me. Thank you. And yeah, we don't learn from our losses either. We just pretend they didn't happen and just move on to the next one. Exactly, and that's the greatest life lesson you can take from us. Brilliant. See you next week, people. Do note this was recorded before the aforementioned Phoenix Suns game. That game of course we can sum up in just a minute. The Suns are chokers, the Raptors bounced back with huge performances from Chris Boucher and Norman Powell who's been shooting lights out since he's come back from injury. And that's all that needs to be said. 